Hi there, welcome back. Thanks for 172. Although those are probably just all my censors who have made my podcast crash. It's like 20. It, they must be like lying to me. They must be showing me different numbers than actually persist. You know, once when they took a holiday, it was Memorial Day. <clears throat> shot up to 4,000. It's because they were at home having their little, you know, family dinners, spending time with their family instead of fucking oppressing other people. Anyway, Trump lawyer seeks federal court intervention to plead case. <laughs> I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Donald Trump's lawyers continue ago. to flee all of the cases that he has filed and the cases filed against him, not just the case that uh, was just brought by special counsel Jack Smith for 37 counts of willful retention of national defense information, as well as conspiracy and obstruction of justice and making false statements. So Jim Trusty, the lawyer who was representing Donald Trump in uh, the investigation by special counsel Jack Smith into the willful retention of national defense information, he resigned. Trump kind of intimated that he was fired along with John Rowley, but uh, then Jim Trustee put out a statement saying that he had resigned. Um, essentially, as soon as special counsel Jack Smith brought uh, the uh, charges against Donald Trump. But Jim Trustee is on other cases of Donald Trump as well, not just that case. And in a case that we talked about here, on the Midas Touch Network, but you may have forgot about it with all the Trump cases. I totally uh, understand why we'd all forget about it. Is back in 2022, Donald Trump filed a completely frivolous defamation action against CNN, saying that the use of the term big lie uh, regarding Donald Trump and comparing it to Hitler um, was a defam comparing Trump to Hitler was defamatory. I'll show you that complaint in a moment. Right, in the uh, notice of withdrawal, the motion for withdrawal that was just filed by Jim Trusty in that matter, it's also in the Southern District of Florida, is the fact that um, Jim Trusty had to file this to begin with because Jim Trusty um, brought this case back in 2022 with one of Donald Trump's other lawyers, Lindsey Halligan. So Lindsey Halligan is still on the case. So it should have been very easy for Jim Trusty to secure permission from Donald Trump to withdraw from this CNN defamation case in the Southern District of Florida. But the fact that Jim Trusty had to file this motion, which I'm about to read, tells me one thing. Donald Trump did not give him permission to withdraw so Donald Trump is either ignoring him at this point or specifically refusing to allow Jim Trusty to withdraw so that Jim Trusty had to file this public motion so let's take a look at this uh, council motion to withdraw as attorney filed by Jim Trusty Let's pull it up right now. It says the following in the in the case of Donald J. Trump versus CNN, the undersigned counsel James M. Trusty, as counsel of record for Donald Trump, respectfully requests leave of this court to permit him to withdraw as attorney of record for plaintiff. 
Counsel has informed plaintiff of his intent to withdraw from representation. Counsel has also informed uh, counsel of record for the defendant in this matter, cable news network CNN, of his intent to withdraw. Mr. Trustee's withdrawal is based upon irreconcilable differences between counsel and plaintiff, and counsel can no longer effectively and properly represent plaintiff. Mr. Trustee's withdrawal at the time, at this time, does not adversely impact any parties to this matter. Oral arguments on defendant's motion to dismiss has not been scheduled. Discovery has not begun and there are no pending deadlines. Further, plaintiff continues to be served by counsel on the matter, Lindsay Halligan. Based upon these facts, counsel requests to be withdrawn as attorney of record from Donald J. Trump. And notice what is missing from that motion. It does say in the motion that he had reached out to inform Donald Trump that he intended to withdraw. It didn't say Donald Trump responded and gave consent to the withdrawal, you know, which obviously shows that there is a highly contentious, or to use the words here, irreconcilable differences um, between them um, and disputes between them that are very, very uh, serious. As we always say here on the Midas Touch Network, what MAGA stands for, make attorneys get attorneys. And you'll recall when special counsel Jack Smith uh, was able to procure the uh, indictment by the grand jury sitting in the Miami Division Federal Court in the Southern District of Florida. That is when Donald Trump immediately posted that he was no longer represented by trustee and rally. Here was Donald Trump's statement. He goes, for purposes of fighting the greatest witch hunt of all time, now moving to the Florida courts, I will be represented by Todd Blanche and a firm to be named later. I want to thank Jim Trustee and John Rally for their work, but they were up against a very dishonest, corrupt, evil, and sick group of people, the likes of which has not been seen before. We will be announcing additional lawyers in the coming days. When will Joe Biden be indicted for his many crimes against our nation? MAGA exclamation point. Maybe the reason why he's struggling to find lawyers is that he is a complete maniac traitor and writes messages like this. And so when that statement came out, I uh, I think I, I put on my Twitter account, I was like, all right, how many minutes until we find out that Jim Trustee and John Rowley actually resigned and Trump had nothing to do with it? I think it was about five minutes after Trump put out that statement, and this was the statement by Jim Trustee and John Rowley. This morning, we tendered our resignations as counsel to President Trump, and we will no longer represent him on either the indicted cases or the January 6th investigation. Uh. It has been an honor to have spent the last year defending him, and we know he will be vindicated in his battle against the Biden administration. Partisan weaponization of the American justice system. Now that the case has been filed in Miami, this is a logical moment for us to step aside and let others carry the cases through to completion. We have no plans to hold media appearances that address our withdrawals or any other confidential communications we've had with the president or his legal team. And that last part is fascinating because Jim Trustee every single night discussed confidential information with Donald Trump on various media networks, by the way, including CNN, which he was suing um, leading up to the indictment. And now he says, I don't want to make any statements. But 
Of course, the excuse that Jim Trustee gave there now that this has been filed in Miami, it's a natural time for him to step aside. That is complete BS. It's totally baseless. And why is it totally baseless? Well, take a look at the uh, council's motion for withdrawal as attorney that um, I showed you earlier in this video. So Jim Trustee was able to do what's called pro hoc vice. He, does, he is out, he's a lawyer licensed outside of the state of Florida, but Lindsey Halligan is a lawyer licensed within the state. So the term is called pro hoc vice, where an in-state lawyer is able to essentially sponsor you as an out-of-state lawyer to do uh, cases in states where you're not licensed to practice law. And also Jim Trustee uh, had been representing Donald Trump in a number of other cases in the Southern District of Florida before, um, whether it was in the Fort Lauderdale division or West Palm Beach County or Fort before the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. So the claim that the reason is, is because it was filed in Miami, why he has to withdraw is total BS. And now, of course, we see um, the fact that he's saying that there are irreconcilable differences just another day and make attorney get attorney world of <laughs> Donald Trump. And for those of you who just want to... Uh, Remember this lawsuit that Donald Trump filed against CNN? It's like all these frivolous defamation cases. And um, the fact that Jim Trustee says in his declaration to withdraw that there are no dates and there is no discovery deadlines just shows you how Donald Trump practices, right? Uh, it shows you his scheme, rather, how his lawyers practice, which is he files the lawsuit for the headline and then seeks to delay the case after he's got the headline because he knows he's going to lose. And then he delays, delays, delays. And when he loses, he just claims it's a conspiracy. But how do you have a case that was filed? Uh, I'm looking at the date of this filing, October 3rd, 2022, right? So we're talking about um, a case filed almost a year ago at this point. Where nothing has essentially been done in this case in terms of substantive discovery. Like, why wouldn't, if this was a valid thing, Donald Trump to try to uh, pursue that? But this was the case that Jim Trustee uh, filed. Let me just read to you how absurd it is. It says, the plaintiff, President Donald J. Trump, he's not the president, has been a longtime critic of defendant CNN, not because CNN does a bad job of reporting the news, but because CNN seeks to create the news, fake news, as the plaintiff has characterized it in public statements. Beyond simply highlighting any negative information about the plaintiff and ignoring all positive information about him, I don't know what that would even be, CNN has sought to use its massive influence purportedly as a, quote, trusted news source to defame the plaintiff in the minds of its viewers and readers for the purpose of defeating him politically, culminating in CNN claiming credit for, quote, getting Trump out in 2020 presidential election. CNN's campaign of dissuasion in the form of libel and slander against the plaintiff has only escalated in recent months as CNN fears that plaintiff will as a part of its concerted effort to tilt the political balance to the left CNN has tried to taint the plaintiff taint. with a series of ever more scandalous false and defamatory uh -huh. labels of racist, Russian lackey, insurrectionist, and ultimately Hitler. These labels are neither hyperbolic nor opinion. 
These are repeatedly reported as true fact with purported factual support by allegedly reputable newscasters acting not merely with the reckless disregard for the truth of their statements, but acting with real animosity for plaintiff and seeking to cause him true harm uh, in the way of actual malice is commonly understood. CNN has been given the dreaded pants on fire designation by PolitiFact, for its stories comparing Trump to Hitler, still, it persists requiring the time and expense of filing this instant lawsuit. But just think about it here, too. This completely frivolous, insane lawsuit, no basis in law, totally without merit. Um, CNN has a First Amendment right to do everything that it did. Um, but notice that as a result, CNN changed its behavior. It got intimidated, and Chris Licht changed the coverage to try to support Donald Trump and Republicans. And he said that, that he wants to make it very friendly for the modern-day MAGA Republicans. And by the way, if you want to make it friendly to actual Republicans who support the rule of law and who support our democracy and who are true conservatives and not this BS MAGA fascism form, that's fine. Um, but CNN has platformed all of these right-wing nutjobs. Um, including Donald Trump, and it is utterly despicable. But here we have it again. Lawyers are fleeing the sinking ship. The rats are, are fleeing the sinking ship. And, um, and apparently here even, you know, you can tell Donald Trump's state of mind and the fact that he did not give consent to this withdrawal and an actual motion had to be filed, showing you that Donald Trump is panicked and scared right now. Otherwise, just give consent. Um, I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. And wherever you get audio podcasts, subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast. All right, hit subscribe on our YouTube right. channel. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically. So another um, Trump lawyer tries to read a sinking ship. Trump lawyers, okay, we just saw that. Sarah Palin accidentally makes shocking admission about Trump. I was with the Trump motorcade yesterday, Porter's and I would say that TV. the people at Versailles at the Cuban restaurant, I wouldn't call them cult members, would you? Uh, no. Well, folks, Sarah Palin's back. Yep, that's right, old sister Sarah, the, the pray for me so the witches don't get me Palin is back. And she's lecturing us on all things, of, of all things, on is MAGA a cult? She appeared on Newsmax and, and gave this response when they asked her, is MAGA a cult? Take, take a look. I was with the Trump motorcade yesterday, and I would say that the people at Versailles at the Cuban restaurant, I wouldn't call them cult members, would you? Uh, no, you know, the definition of a cult is uh, a, a group of people who are um, excessively supporting one another at a cause, all about conformity and compliance and intolerance of anyone who doesn't agree with what their mission is. Okay, that's the definition of what the left is engaged in right now, speaking of, of cults, um, all about conformity and compliance, and heaven forbid you don't agree with them. Yeah, you know, I, I've got a little bit better of a better answer than that. Let's let's take a little trip down memory lane, folks. Let's just let's just think about the way elections used to be. 
You know, we'd come to an election and everybody put a sign out, a little sign out in their yard. Now, maybe put a, a big sign out in your yard if you were really enthusiastic. And then we'd have that election, you know, you might put a bumper sticker on your car, then the election would be over, and then people would take those signs down. Yeah, they'd scrape that bumper sticker off their car and keep on keeping on. Well, not anymore. Not since the cult of MAGA. No, it, it's a year-round ordeal. All the time. You know, folks used to put American flags on the front of their house. Now they're hanging Trump flags. All the time. And then it got worse than that, folks. They started plastering their houses. I mean, their houses, you know, there's this one up in Youngstown, Pennsylvania. And it's not just that one. They're, they're all over the country where people are now wrapping their houses with Trump-branded flags and, and whatnot. And th this one house in Youngstown, Pennsylvania, has a 15-foot effigy of Trump in spotlights. Yeah, I mean, that's a cult, folks. That's a cult. If you don't think that's a cult, here, take a look at Marjorie Trader Green with this effigy of Trump and see what she does here. There we go. right folks yeah you've got a sitting member of congress fondling a cardboard cutout of a cult leader yeah i mean that's a cult folks that's a and if that's not enough for you they built a golden statue of him and put it on display at cpac if you don't know what cpac is it's a it's the conservative political action conference it's the big Republican conservative get together every year. They put a golden Trump out there. People were praying to it, taking pictures with it. You know what I mean? It, just you know, just touching it. You know, what I mean, just, it it's it's a cult, folks. It's a cult. You know, your crazy uncle went out and bought hundred dollar cartoons, digital cartoons of Trump. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Hundred bucks. They went out and bought Trump bucks. Have you ever heard of Biden bucks? No, no. We don't do that. We're not in a cult. There are people that went out and bought fake Trump money. I'm not kidding. And it gets worse than that. You need to keep an eye on your crazy uncle, your crazy pop. We've all got one in the family. We all do. You know, you got people that put second mortgages on their houses. Yeah. They ended up getting divorced and stuff like that. Yeah, that really happened, folks. It's a cult. And then the rallies. These aren't stump speeches. You know, we used to have, you know, election time. Politicians, we'd have to see them then. They'd come out and they'd do, they would do speeches then. Oh, no. This cult does them year-round. Every year, election or not. And what's crazy is, to show you how insane this cult is, these people travel around to the, to the rallies 
It's like the same people showing up at all the, to hear the same stupid speeches. <laughs> That's a cult, folks. That is a cult. It's why they can't understand they lost. It's why they were susceptible to their cult leader telling them to go desecrate our capital and try to overturn the results of an election. They were offered zero proof that they that, that anything was wrong with. They just lost. They were just lost, but they were told by their cult leader that it was stolen from them, so they desecrated their own capital and tried to overthrow their own democracy. And he gave them no proof, none whatsoever. And they did it anyways. That's a cult. That's a cult. And it's getting worse and worse and worse, folks. It's not getting better. You know, it started out with somebody hung, hanging a Trump flag on the front of their house. Now they're desecrating flags. Now they're hanging the American flag upside down and desecrating our American flag. And it's, you know, folks, where does it end? You know, people make a joke. They make a joke about the People's Temple and Jim Jones and how much MAGA is like them. The People's Temple, if you don't know, that was Jim Jones's cult. And, you know, those people got together and they mixed up a bunch of poison Kool-Aid and they drank it and died for Jim Jones. And the joke is that the only difference between the MAGA cult and the Jim Jones cult is Trump would have branded the Kool-Aid and sold it to him for eight bucks a pop. I tell you, folks, it's getting, it's getting bad. You know, Caribou Barbie here, you know, in her response, she just perfectly describes MAGA. Watch out for your people. Watch out for your people. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. One of the things you can do about it, show your people these videos. Hit the subscribe button so that you can see them when they come out. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't tangle you up in any way. Just hit the subscribe button. It'll let you know when a new video comes out when you log on to, to, to this platform. You hit the thumbs up thumbs up button. It'll 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 get this video circulated around. And if you really want to help out, you're about to be to see a commercial from the Midas Touch Network, folks. The Midas Touch Network is working their butts off. They are the fastest growing independent news source in the country, and they are working their butts off to make sure that your crazy people that are involved in these cults actually have information coming back at them they're not allowed to just stay in their bubble we get this information out to people like no one else so if you can support us great i love you folks this is old texas paul out god have a wonderful day hey midas mighty love this report continue the conversation by following us on instagram at midas touch to keep up with the most important news of the day what are you waiting for follow us now Great job, guys. You can't beat these charges. Michael Cohen and ex-DOJ prosecutor lay out nightmare news for Trump's legal future mayor. Okay, so let's just jump right into it because today is, today is the day. And obviously I'm talking about the arraignment. 
Anything stand out today as unusual? Or would you say that the arraignment, the indictment of Donald J. Trump, former president of the United States for felonies, federal felonies, or would, would you say it went pretty textbook? Yeah, that is what I'd say. You know, I, I was thinking about it in advance and realized you often have to throw out the book with Trump. But arraignments, Michael, are typically pretty routine and sleepy affairs. This one was the same. Trump didn't even say anything, unlike in Manhattan, where he snarled out, not guilty. He kept his arms crossed uh, across his chest and had what's probably familiar to you, his kind of irritated look. His attorney got up and said not guilty. He was able to avoid um, properly. They didn't change the rules on him, but they applied it so he didn't have to have the, the, uh, the mugshot. And the, he got fingerprinted, but electronically he didn't have to soil his fingers. It all was very brief. There's some important points that we thought we might learn like when, when, what's the schedule, what's happening next, that we didn't because this was just the duty magistrate, not even Cannon's magistrate. So there's going to be some important points later that would have been noteworthy had they happened today as it was. With both him and Nada, it was quite routine. You know, but there were some interesting things that I found. For example, um, they didn't take his passport. I know at mine they did. Uh he is unrestricted in terms of leaving the country, which, again, I find somewhat interesting. They also claim that he's permitted to have firearms. Now, that could possibly be only because it's Florida, right? And they've now all gone gun crazy over there anyway. Yeah. But I thought that was unusual because generally, right, uh, you want to take away the firearms of somebody who's going through this. I don't care whether you're Michael Cohen, Donald Trump, or John or Jane Doe. You go to some pretty low places. So the fact that they would allow him to maintain firearms, I thought was interesting. There's also the whole part about him not being permitted to speak with, outside of counsel, any of the potential witnesses but here's the interesting thing. They didn't go ahead and say who the witnesses are. I thought that was unusual. And here's why. Here's what I think was happening. This guy is the duty magistrate. He's not even Cannon's normal magistrate. So I think all of this was just sort of routine. It's a really good point you make that I hadn't known about the, about the guns. Um, but he was just doing the least possible. It can all be revisited. I think there will be a formal determination of his conditions of release. Um, and, you know, even that they that they didn't take uh, things from him and the like where they did from you represents a judgment provisional by this first guy. He doesn't want to upset the apple cart that guy's got Secret Service protection running for president. He's, you know, he's not going to be able to easily run. He will show up for uh, court. But the, the, it, it wasn't final. He, want, he wanted to just get through it. And the next thing we're going to have, and it'll be much more illuminating, is uh, I think Cannon either will say, here's a scheduling order, or I think more likely she'll have a scheduling conference. The lawyers will show up. And then there'd be time for that. One quick point on the witnesses. You're right. That was noteworthy, and I very much expect that was run by Cannon. And, you know, Trump has a real history. Well, you know it personally. Um, Meadows reaches out to you and says, you have a friend in high places, or whatever it was, blatant tampering. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that was probably um, special for him and arranged in advance. The one point is, I think um, preliminarily it includes NALTA. I don't know if that's going to hold up, Michael. They're, they're co-conspirators. They have a right to prepare a defense together, and I don't think they're going to be able to keep him from from uh, ta talking even about the case. Other than that, it's all all um, routine stuff except this witness stuff, and I think that you know Cannon is well aware of. So this is a guy who just wanted to get past that day and not screw things up and and uh, prejudice the the case for Cannon to come in and take over. God forbid, but looks like it's happening. Well, then he was very smart to keep his mouth shut because every time Donald opens his mouth, it. He creates a shitstorm on top of a shitstorm. You know, CNN. Well, a, as, we, as we tape, though, in a couple hours, he'll be opening his mouth big time, right? He's going to hold a little rally at Bed at Bedminster in an hour or two. So, you know, we'll hear It's actually, that. believe it or not, it's more than a rally. It's a fundraiser. I really? mean, talk about the absolute unmitigated gall. I mean, you know, here's how CNN politics online that they put it. His appearance was earth-shaking, an even tragic moment in the history of a republic that has endured for, for more than two centuries after being founded on the principle that no leader has absolute power or should be above laws that apply to other citizens. I mean, the, the absolute unmitigated goal that now he's going to have a fundraiser off a federal indictment, 37 counts, and they're serious, 37 counts, where if you want to have dinner with Donald tonight, it will cost you $100,000 per head. The invitation to throw in, I hear, I hear, Michael, he may throw in, though, a, a free classified document for everyone. Um, yeah, look, yes. as you say, by the way, uh, by the way, then I would be in on that one. Because right. trust me, if, if it's anything like what Kushner pulled down, right, right. you could pull a lot more than a hundred grand. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. We're living through them. So in a way, we don't appreciate this what? It has to be the most important criminal prosecution in the history of the United States. It has to be the biggest, strongest, most important political test of whether our leaders are men or kings. And we're living through it. So it all, sometimes it's big for us, seismic even. But sometimes I think even folks like you and I don't fully appreciate just how big the, the events we're living through. It's, you know, it's really true. This is so fundamental and could so shape our republic going forward, man, it is immense. I mean, he now holds a very unique place in our history. Not only is he the first former president to be indicted for state charges, he is now the first former president to be indicted for federal charges. In fact, couple the two together, he is the first former president of the United States to be indicted on both state and federal charges. And yet, nothing stops the grift, right? I mean, he's out there. I will tell you that CNN further went on and said something which I find absolutely accurate. I find it disheartening. They write that today is a grave day that will rip an even deeper divide in an already estranged country, especially given that Trump's supporters have already once resorted to violence, 
right, in their bid to overturn the will of the people after the um, ex-president, after Trump, refused to accept his loss. Now, I will say that I called it. I said it the other day on television, and I said it last week also when the announcement first came out, that I don't think there's going to be the violence that Donald legitimately wanted. I mean, he enjoys that sort of, um, you know, melee, the fracas. I mean, he, he enjoys that, especially if it's being done in his honor. But we didn't see that at all. I mean, oh, my God, all of a sudden you see on television one guy gets wrestled down to the ground by one police officer. They cuff him. They take him away. We have that shit happening in the city every, on every other street corner, right? This was, what, 1,000 people that showed up, 1,200 people that showed up. I actually walked past Trump Tower uh, shortly well, you know, before this thing was going on. There were like 30 people in front of Trump Tower at total. And this is not what he expected it would be. Even the number of people that lined the street. There were more people at a high school football championship game than there were at this. And I think that's also very telling on where his popularity is going. And I say it's waning. Yeah, look, it sure feels that way that the, that the thrill is gone, of course. Kimberly Guilfoyle Jr.'s fiance said retribution is coming, and he, Trump, and unbelievably, I mean, you, you know, he's not leaving himself any rhetorical room, right? Biden, the most corrupt president in history, and whatever, like, running dog he called um, uh, Smith. But, yeah, it doesn't seem to be getting that much uh, purchase. On the other hand... Pretty big chunk of Republicans are, uh, a certain, you know, saying in polls it's it's a political prosecution. But not only is there not the sort of uh, mob um, rule out there, or, or you know, mob um, unrest, you're getting every day. You know, the Jim Jordans of the world came out with what they had to say before they'd even seen the indictment. But you're getting some grown-ups on the R side. You know. Bill Barr, your buddy for starters, but others as well who are understanding the gravity, especially the gravity of the charges and the um, monumental level of, of proof. So I agree, you know, none of this is going to, the scales won't fall from people's eyes immediately, but I think it erodes little by little and it, you know, his political support uh, does wane. It would wane more if he were con convicted, and this case is very strong, before the election. A big worry about Cannon is that won't happen. Nevertheless, you know, I gave up long ago, maybe you did too, about trying to actually um, suss out what's in his head. But um, the only, his only play, and he's given it for all it's worth, is to somehow become president because he's really laid his bed otherwise. So there's all kinds of nightmare scenarios. If he if he comes out ahead in November 2024, a few ones if DeSantis does and a Republican uh, wins. But he seems to have totally committed to the political route and um, a, a concrete worry about Cannon is she'll let him pursue it. But we're going to have such an ugly year where it, you know, everyone should be stepping back in society and let the socially accepted uh, means for resolving serious disputes like this, a jury good and true, 
it won't be happening. He'll just be screaming at the top of his uh, lungs all through his campaigns and the like. And that means almost whatever happens, you're going to have a deep and partisan divide, as CNN said. We're living not only through very memorable, but very ugly days. And I think they're going to get uglier. If that's yeah, I agree with you on that. I will say one thing, though. One of the things Jake Tapper actually asked yeah. me when I was just on CNN was about, um, well, he made a statement that the hush money falsification of business record um, matter, that's the New York District Attorney, Alvin Bragg case, the one that they're anticipating using me as a, as a witness, right. uh, that it's not as significant as what we're seeing today, which is the retention of top secret documents and so on. And I didn't want to get into it with Jake, uh, because it was a bifurcated question. So I decided to stick with the other half of the question, uh -huh. which was easier considering I had a truncated period of time within which to, you know, respond. But I find it, I find it disrespectful in several, for, two, for really for multiple reasons, but I'll just mention two. First and foremost, all of a sudden everybody's become a professional handicapper, right? Like this is the fucking Belmont Stakes. Everybody's a handicapper and everybody, well, this crime, eh, come on, payments to a porn star in order to affect an election. Um, how about, you know, uh, the falsifying business records and so on? It's not as bad as maintaining and refusing to return classified top secret documents, showing it to people like Kid Rock or God knows who else, talking to it about to a journalist, showing them, uh, maybe selling them. Who knows what he's doing with them? Why is one crime comparable to another why are they equating one against the other they are and i want you to agree or disagree with me harry litman are they not both crimes i know i went to prison for the hush money payment i didn't falsify any bank records but i went to prison for that why is it that donald should be um should escape the same responsibility that I did, which again, I will always say that I did it the direction of, in concert with, and for the benefit of Donald J. Trump. Well, you ordered the question, as is your moderator's right, because yeah, of course they are both crimes. But you may remember, I got my head bit off by Nicole, our, our very good and much beloved friend, Nicole Wallace, on this, because she was pushing, why didn't the Department of Justice bring this case? And I'm very strongly on record as saying that the Bragg case is righteous. It play, you know, the top line might be payment to a porn star, but the real theme is uh, deceiving the American people so they couldn't, you know, make a uh, proper judgment about the election and, and his merits as a president. But what I said to Nicole Wallace, I would hold to, is that when talking about why should the department that brought or not brought. I said, now it's relatively trivial. And she played gotcha with me and said, you said it was trivial. And I didn't say it was trivial. I did say that it was relatively trivial and I would stand by that that point. You're, you're certainly right and I agree that it's a righteous case, but th this one where he's 
as president so rankly and and with such damage violates the um, his his role and arrogates to himself treats you know the national um, resources as his own doesn't distinguish perfectly indifferent to the the public interest and then maybe endangers men and women around the world and our own national security I would be glad to say that yep you can compare felonies you could compare a uh, an assault and a, and a murder and that the Mar-a-Lago case that was brought which I thought would be brought is in fact more serious more yes. um, justified to use DOJ so on so I'll stay to that point but if you're asking are they both crimes and is Bragg's case righteous uh, I'm I'm uh, with you there, but I think what other at least the context where which this has come up before has been the kind of complaints against uh, Garland, which to whom I'm always considered, including my you, to be the uh, reflexive champion of. Why didn't he bring that very case? And what I said then, which is, man, if right out of the box he brought that case when there were others there that, you know, it would have really played as mm -hmm. political. It's good the case was brought. It's good Bragg is bringing it. But this case that was brought last week, it in, in fact is um, more serious. And if you had to, you know, hope for a conviction for only one, I think most people would say that this, this is more important, not just what happened in the world, but what it shows about Trump as president and the damage he perpetrated on the country. Right. Let me say that the other reason why Bragg's case is a righteous case, why it's an important case, and regardless of who goes first, who yeah. goes second, who goes third, who's going to go fourth or even fifth, is irrelevant. The reason it's an important case is, unlike this specific case, which is federal, if Trump happens to be successful and pulls off a win, that doesn't put an end to the case with Bragg. That's a state case, and he cannot pardon himself from a state case. Only the governor could pardon, uh, could pardon him, and highly doubtful that Hochul would do that. Don't know, but he could potentially. It's constitutionally unchallenged so far. I mean, we've never been in a situation like this, right. but a president has never pardoned himself. Um, he could do that, but it would have, again, no effect upon Bragg's case, which again was an indictment by the state. So let me ask Can I make you three quick me? points on that, though. Of I course. know you're quoted for bear. So first, um, I, our, our buddy Andrew Weissman pointed this out. You know, the, no matter what happens, the federal case won't be all done because of appeals. And he's not. He won't. Ha I. I don't. I think the right answer is he can't pardon himself. But it doesn't matter because he can tell the DOJ to just dismiss a case that it hasn't gone to to. Um, final conviction and that's what he would do here uh, on new york i so i agree with you on on bragg and the other reason but i, I also want to point out we you've talked about it you're basically the genesis of the huge civil case brought by the new york ag and she actually basically was saying today we're going to all have to step back while the feds do their case which i don't think is a necessary position yeah, I me too took it and you know the feds did finishing their case it could be a long time so this is a case you know intimately and really you helped build as a citizen doing your duty but really huge contribution to and i think what she said you know is uh, was unfortunate but and could well now come to pass yeah i i don't understand it 
my hope is that that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. He needs to be. I'm not sure why one has to go before the other, before the other. So now, if they ultimately decide to bring Georgia, would we say that Georgia is more significant than this? So then, that this case then has to go on hold, or right, then right, January right. 6th, which is the Keppa of the Keppas, exactly. right? All of a sudden, now and by the way, that's else been has looking good. We haven't been paying a lot of attention, but he's doing real things there, including just today putting in um, phony electors in, in the D.C. grand jury. That case would be in D.C. I think that one, you know, um, is is likely to happen, too. And I would have been less uh, sure about that. But but, you know, everything you say, I um, uh, agree with in something they may have to work it out. But why why she should her initial position should be to to fold is the civil case, for God's sakes. It makes no sense to me at all. But let me ask you this, Harry. How airtight is the case that we're talking? We're talking about today's today's case of the mishandling of the yeah. document. Because you know, as well as almost anybody out there, nothing is ever a slam dunk, especially when you're talking about a slam dunk with Donald J. Trump, right? What should we, as the American, as the American people, what should we prepare ourselves for in this trial? Great question. Uh, and I read this as a prosecutor first, first and foremost, and I'll tell you, yes, nothing's ever certain, but I, it's an extremely strong case. It, it's been from the start. It's clear he did everything, and the only possibility is does he have some kind of mental defense um, uh, you know, claim, and he just doesn't. There's just great evidence that he knows what the rules uh, were, that he knows that all his stuff now is concocted. Oh, I could have uh, declassified it, and they have great they have tapes and other things that show it. So I would have said, um, re, you know, I, when I read it, I was like, how are they going to present it, et cetera. I would say very, very, very strong. And then the uh, the wild card happened of Judge Cannon. So any district court judge, I've been, you've probably been in this position yourself. I have. And whittle away at a case, do bad legal rulings that take chunks of it out, make it a lot harder. And then what should be a real, like, steep downhill roll to conviction becomes even uphill. So that's, you know, that's one of the concrete risks she presents. But just seeing the evidence and thinking about how a, a judge ought to try it and what a judge ought to admit it is way, way strong. One final point. You can imagine jury nullification where one or two diehard Trumpistas, you know, won't vote to convict. But in that event, the DOJ is all in. They would move to to retry him. So, I, I, you know, I thought before, it's just, I bet the house on it, how's that, that, that a jury will convict him. The, but the question now becomes, does Cannon have a way of essentially not completely eviscerating, but like chopping off big chunks of the case in a way that makes it an uphill climb? The answer to that is yes. And then the question becomes, will she do it? And you know, does she stay on the case? And so let me just jump into that for a second, right? Um, she could potentially derail the case. As you said, she could provide delays, which... We all know that that's Donald's playbook, delay, delay, delay. In my specific case, the one that he brought against me for the $500 million, his lawyer actually asked my counsel 
whether or not in the discovery we can hold off on doing depositions till 90 days after the election. I mean, we had to set up, because in Florida you have to do that whole meet and confirm, you set up your discovery schedule. Well, we wanted immediate depositions. And since Donald is the plaintiff, obviously his deposition is needed. And so when the councils met to confer and to create the schedule, we wanted the deposition within 90 days, which is the rules. And he wanted it 90 days after the election. So it goes to the whole point of delay, delay, delay. But what do you and think? I just add one quick thing. Do? I know I mean, you got a question coming, yeah. but that sort of—that's the sort of thing that a district court judge has extraordinary discretion over. He stands up and gives some—you know—somebody's uh, cousins getting up our midst for we need six months. Uh, you know, she really can. Obviously, when that's a caricature, but. It's just a very hard thing to reverse if she goes with him on, on big chunks of delay. We'll see as a first instance when he's got yeah, to figure it out because everyone quits on him. Will they get up and say, oh, we need four months to familiarize yourself, and what does she do with that? But you were on the on the cusp of question, I interrupted. But that's, that's really the question. What do you think that a judge canon derailment would look like? I'm going to say this, and maybe I'm being not Michael for a moment, yeah. And I'm not being my sarcastic, pessimistic self. I don't think she's going to derail shit. I really don't. I don't think that she's going to do what so many in the media are already claiming that, you know, she can do, she will do. Look, she was already reprimanded once. And that was a bad move on her behalf. If you look at other judges that were appointed by Trump, they didn't do even what she did before. I don't believe, knowing that the whole world is watching this case, I don't believe that she's going to do what so many people are already, you know, holding her accountable for. Well, God bless you. You are one sunny New Yorker. Maybe you should move to Florida because when that happened before, remember, she got seriously slapped around and she just doubled down. And she doesn't even have to do it in in a nefarious way. She can just like be rolled easily by Trump's lawyer saying we need time for X, Y or um, or Z. So even if she's kind of trying, I I'm really, you, you need, look.
church and said, this Mayor is Copa. going that day. Put it in your calendar now. I don't see. We're I'll gonna, have we're gonna back fun, up. of course. Kimberly Guilfoyle Jr.'s fiance said retribution is coming and he, Trump, and unbelievably, I mean, you, you know, he's not leaving himself any rhetorical room, right? Biden, the most corrupt president in history and whatever, like running dog he called um, uh, Smith. But Hi. yeah, it doesn't seem to be getting that much uh, purchase. On the other hand, Pretty big chunk of Republicans are, uh, a certain, you know, saying in polls it's it's a political prosecution. But not only is there not the sort of uh, mob um, rule out there, or, or, or you know, mob um, unrest, you're getting every day. You know, the Jim Jordans of the world came out with what they had to say before they'd even seen the indictment. But you're getting some grown-ups on the R side. You know. Bill Barr, your buddy for starters, but others as well who are understanding the gravity, especially the gravity of the charges and the um, monumental level of, of proof. So I agree, you know, none of this is going to, the scales won't fall from people's eyes immediately, but I think it erodes little by little and, it, it you know, his political support uh, does wane. It would wane more if he were can convicted before and this case is very strong before the election a big worry about canon is that won't happen nevertheless you know i gave up long ago maybe you did too about trying to actually um suss out what's in his head but um the only his only play and he's given it for all it's worth is to somehow become president because he's really laid his bed otherwise so there's all kinds of nightmare scenarios if he if he comes out ahead november 2024 a few ones if desantis does and a republican uh wins but he seems to have totally committed to the political route and um a, a concrete worry about canada is she'll let him pursue it but we're gonna have such an ugly year where it you know everyone should be stepping back in society and let the socially accepted uh, means for resolving the serious disputes like this a jury good and true it won't be happening he'll just be screaming at the top of his uh, lungs all through his campaigns and the like and that means almost whatever happens you're going to have a deep and partisan divide, as CNN said. We're living not only through very memorable, but very ugly days. And I think they're going to get uglier. If that's yeah, easy. I agree with you on that. I yeah. will say one thing, though. One of the things Jake Tapper actually asked yeah. me when I was just on CNN was about, um, well, he made a statement that the hush money falsification of business record um, matter. That's the New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg case, the one that they're anticipating using me as a as a witness. Right. Uh, that it's not as significant as what we're seeing today, which is the retention of top secret documents and so on. And I didn't want to get into it with Jake uh, because it was a bifurcated question. So I decided to stick with the other half of the question, uh -huh. which was easier considering I had a truncated period of time within which to, you know, respond. But I find it, I find it disrespectful in several, for, for really for multiple reasons, but I'll just mention two. First and foremost, 
all of a sudden everybody's become a professional handicapper, right? Like this is the fucking Belmont Stakes. Everybody's a handicapper and everybody, well, this crime, eh, come on, payments to a porn star in order to affect an election. Um, how about, you know, uh, the falsifying business records and so on. It's not as bad as maintaining and refusing to return classified top secret documents, showing it to people like Kid Rock or God knows who else, talking to it about to a journalist, showing them, uh, maybe selling them, who knows what he's doing with them. Why is one crime comparable to another? Why are they equating one against the other? They are, and I want you to agree or disagree with me, Harry Littman, are they not both crimes? I know I went to prison for the hush money payment. I didn't falsify any bank records, but I went to prison for that. Why is it that Donald should be, um, should escape the same responsibility that I did, which again, I will always say that I did it the direction of, in concert with, and for the benefit of Donald J. Trump. Well, you ordered the question, as is your moderator's right, because, yeah, of course they are both crimes. But you may remember, I got my head bit off by Nicole, our, our very good and much beloved friend, Nicole Wallace, on this, because she was pushing, why didn't the Department of Justice bring this case? And I'm very strongly on record as saying that the Bragg case is righteous. It play, you know, the top line might be payment to a porn star, but the real theme is uh, deceiving the American people so they couldn't, you know, make a, a proper judgment about the election and, and his merits as a president. But what I said to Nicole Wallace, I would hold to, is that when talking about why should the department have brought or not brought, I said, now it's relatively trivial. And she played gotcha with me and said, you said it was trivial. And I didn't say it was trivial. I did say that it was relatively trivial, and I would stand by that that point. You're, you're certainly right, and I agree that it's a righteous case. But th this one, where he's, as president, so rankly and, and with such damage, violates the... His, his role and arrogates to himself, treats, you know, the national um, resources as his own, doesn't distinguish perfectly indifferent to the, the public interest and then maybe endangers men and women around the world and our own national security. I would be glad to say that, yep, you can compare felonies. You could compare a uh, an assault and a, and, uh, a murder, and that the Mar-a-Lago case that was brought, which I thought would be brought, is in fact more serious, more yes. um, justified to use DOJ. So, um, so I'll stay to that point. But if you're asking, are they both crimes, and is Bragg's case righteous? Uh, I'm I'm uh, with you there, but I think what other at least the context where which this has come up before has been the kind of complaints against uh, Garland, which to whom I'm always considered, including by you, to be the uh, reflexive champion of. Why didn't he bring that very case? And what I said then, which is, man, if right out of the box he brought that case when there were others there that, you know, it would have really played as political. It's good the case was brought. It's good Bragg is bringing it. But this case that was brought last week, it in, in fact is um, more serious. And if you had to, you know, hope 
for a conviction for only one, I think most people would say that this this is more important, not just what happened in the world, but what it shows about Trump as president and the damage he perpetrated on the country. Right. Let me say that the other reason why Bragg's case is a righteous case, why it's an important case, and regardless of who goes first, who yeah. goes second, who goes third, who's going to go fourth or even fifth, is irrelevant. The reason it's an important case is, unlike this specific case, which is federal, if Trump happens to be successful and pulls off a win, that doesn't put an end to the case with Brett. That's a state case, and he cannot pardon himself from a state case. Only the governor could pardon uh, could pardon him, and highly doubtful that Hochul would do that. Don't know, but he could potentially, it's constitutionally unchallenged so far. I mean, we've never been in a situation like this, right. but a president has never pardoned himself. Um, he could do that, but it would have, again, no effect upon Bragg's case, which, again, was an indictment by the state. So let me ask Can I make this, three quick that, points on that, though? I know course. you're loaded for bear. So first, um, I, our, our buddy Andrew Weissman pointed this out. You know, the, no matter what happens, the federal case won't be all done because of appeals. And he's not, he won't have, I, I don't, I think the right answer is he can't pardon himself, but it doesn't matter because he can tell the DOJ to just dismiss a case that it hasn't gone to, to uh, final conviction. And that's what he would do here. Uh, on New York, I, so I agree with you on, on Bragg and the other reason, but I, I also want to point out, we, you've talked about it. You're basically the genesis of the huge civil case brought by the New York AG. And she actually basically was saying today, we're going to all have to step back while the feds do their case, which I don't think is a necessary position. Yeah, I me too. Took it. And, you know, the feds finishing their case, it could be a long time. So this is a case you know intimately and really you helped build as a citizen doing your duty but really huge contribution to and i think what she said you know is uh, was unfortunate but and could well now come to pass yeah i i don't understand it my hope is that that's not what happens mm -hmm. he needs to be i'm not sure why one has to go before the other before the other so now if they ultimately decide to bring georgia would we say that Georgia is more significant than this? So then that this case then has to go on hold or uh, right, then right, January right. 6th, which is the Keppa of the Keppas, exactly. right? All of a sudden, now oh, everything wait, wait, else has been looking good. We haven't been paying a lot of attention, but he's doing real things there, including just today putting in um, phony electors in, in the D.C. grand jury. That case would be in D.C. I think that one, you know, um, is, is likely to happen, too, and I would have been less... Uh, sure about that, but but you know everything you say, I um, uh, agree with. In something they may have to work it out, but why why she should her initial position should be to to fold is the civil case for God's sakes. It makes no sense to me at all. But let me ask you this, Harry: How airtight is the case that we're talking? We're talking about today's today's case of the mishandling of the yeah. documents because you know as well as almost anybody out there, nothing is ever a slam dunk, especially when you're talking about a slam dunk with Donald J. Trump, right? What should we, as the American, as the American people, what should we prepare ourselves for in this trial? 
great question. Uh, and I read this as a prosecutor first, first and foremost. And I'll tell you, yes, nothing's ever certain. But I, it's a extremely strong case. It, it's been from the start. It's clear he did everything. And the only possibility is, does he have some kind of mental defense, um, uh, you know, claim? And he just doesn't. There's just great evidence that he knows what the rules uh, were, that he knows that all of his stuff now is concocted. Oh, I could have uh, declassified it. And they have tapes and other things that show it. So I would have said, um, you know, I, when I read it, I was like, how are they going to present it, et cetera. I would say very, very, very strong. And then the, uh, the wild card happened of Judge Cannon. So any district court judge, I've been, you've probably been in this position yourself, I have, can whittle away at a case, do bad legal rulings that take chunks of it out, make it a lot harder, and then what should be a real, like, steep downhill roll to conviction becomes even uphill. So that's, you know, that's one of the concrete risks she presents. But just seeing the evidence and thinking about how it I, I judge ought to try it, and what a judge ought to admit, it is way, way strong. One final point, you can imagine jury nullification where one or two diehard Trumpistas, you know, won't vote to convict, but in that event, the DOJ is all in. They would move to, to retry him. So, I, I, you know, I thought before, it's just... I bet the house on it. How's that? That that a jury will convict him. At the, but the question now becomes: Does Cannon have a way of essentially not completely eviscerating, but like chopping off big chunks of the case in a way that makes it an uphill climb? The answer to that is yes. And then the question becomes: Will she do it? And you know, does she stay on the case? And so let me just jump into that for a second, right? Um, she could potentially derail the case. As you said, she could provide delays, which we all know that that's Donald's playbook. Delay, delay, delay. In my specific case, the one that he brought against me for the $500 million, right. his lawyer actually asked my counsel whether or not in the discovery we can hold off on doing depositions till 90 days after the election. Yeah. I mean, we had to set up, because in Florida you have to do that whole meet and confirm, you set up your discovery schedule. Well, we wanted immediate depositions. And since Donald is the plaintiff, obviously his deposition is needed. And so when the councils met to confer and to create the schedule, we wanted the deposition within 90 days, which is the rules. And he wanted it 90 days after the election. So it goes to the whole point of delay, delay, delay. But what do you and think? I just add one quick thing. Do? I know I mean, you got a question coming, yeah. but that sort of that's the sort of thing that a district court judge has extraordinary discretion over. He stands up and gives some, you know, somebody's uh, cousins getting up our midst for we need six months. Uh, you know, she really can't, obviously, when that's a caricature, but 
it's just a very hard thing to reverse if she goes with him on on big chunks of delay. We'll see as a first instance when he's got because yeah, everyone quits on him. Will they get up and say, "Oh, we need four months to familiarize herself," and what does she do with that? But you were on the on the cusp of question. I interrupt. But that's that's really the question. What do you think that a judge canon derailment would look like? I'm going to say this, and maybe I'm being not Michael for a moment. Yeah. And I'm not being my sarcastic, pessimistic self. I don't think she's going to derail shit. I really don't. I don't think that she's going to do what so many in the media are already claiming that, you know, she can do, she will do. Look, she was already reprimanded once. And that was a bad move on her behalf. If you look at other judges that were appointed by Trump, they didn't do even what she did before. I don't believe, knowing that the whole world is watching this case, I don't believe that she's going to do what so many people are already, you know, holding her accountable for. Well, God bless you. You are one sunny New Yorker. Maybe you should move to Florida because when that happened before, remember, she got seriously slapped around and she just doubled down. And she doesn't even have to do it in in a nefarious way. She can just, like, be rolled easily by Trump's lawyers saying we need time for X, Y, or um, or Z. So even if she's kind of trying, I... I'm really, you, you need, look what's happening in Manhattan or other, you need somebody with a firm hand and at best, she, she doesn't have that and she's obviously, you know, really is um, um, affectionate or something toward the president who appointed her in the last hours of his administration. I don't know. It's just, you, you need to actually stand up and have some spine and, and experience, I think to keep this on schedule. You saw, again, in New York, Merchant said, this is going that day. Put it in your calendar now. I don't see that uh, happening. And I just want to say, I'm not a Trump lover. You're not a Trump lover. But even if I were, if you love Trump, hate him, or are undecided, it's really an imperative democratically to know is this guy convicted for these serious crimes or not when you decide whether to pull the lever for him in November 2024. And in that sense, a delay that puts the case till after that does a grave service to the democracy itself. But I think it's pretty likely now. Let me ask you. Yeah. So of the 37 charges that were levied against Trump, which ones do you think are the most serious? Like, when I say which ones are the most serious, they're all serious, obviously, right? The mishandling of the documents, the obstruction of justice. But which one of these will create the worst prison sentence for Trump if he's convicted? 37 charges, what's the likelihood that he will be found guilty on all 37 charges? The answer is probably not very likely. There will be some that they will say, you know, we got to give him something, right? He'll have a defense for some of them. But which are the more serious charges? And if he is found guilty of that charge, what kind of sentence do you think that he could be facing? 
I'm really glad you asked that, because people just are all over the map and not understanding it. It's that form, that familiar dynamic where the statute says up to 20 years and people have them up to a thousand years, but it really depends on the guidelines. But I know the guidelines, and I can tell you. First, the Espionage Act, the 31 charges are the most serious, and even one of them would produce the result I'm going to get to in a moment. The other ones are medium serious. Uh, for Nalta, uh, you know, he could have had that false statement only, probably walked without jail time, but now he's looking at conspiracy to obstruct. So back to Trump. You com convict him on one, you convict him on 31. Basically, the way the guidelines work is you're looking at 20 years, essentially. You start at a certain level, you add how serious they were, maybe you add leadership role, and on the grid, on the guidelines, anyone with any questions. I just did something on my, the Talking Mess now has a YouTube channel, and there's a thing just about this sentence where I marched through it. But you're looking at certainly a life sentence for someone who turned 77, I think, today. So the other ones are, and then the others follow. They might be concurrent or they might not be. The guidelines don't make that clear. And of course, a judge can, can depart. But I can tell you the most serious because you, I just, you just have to know how the guidelines work. And those are any or all of the espionage charges. 31 would be, a, wouldn't change the sentence versus one. And you just add it all up, including abuse of trust probably since he was president and leadership role and obstruction as part of, of what he did. Um, and you're looking at a range of like 210 to 250 months, something like that. Now, you know, you could imagine even as angry as you justifiably are at Trump that that you know there would be an overall kind of Solomonic decision to say do we really want him to die in prison or even to go in there but that's one of the corollaries it seems to me that it's now going by the book with Smith that there they could have um, impose that kind of, you know, we'll go light on him, but get him out of the political system or whatever. You see, but now, the last for that because... was with the, let me just very quickly, was when he didn't plead. Now, if he's convicted, even the judge who departs a lot, I don't, the, the DOJ, I think, kind of has to ask for serious jail time, and a judge kind of has to, well, I don't know has to, but we'll see. Then it would come down to, like, clemency. And again, then there's his wild card, his, you know, the joker in the deck, which is if he's elected president and he can make it all go away. And the answer is he could make it all go away. Right. So let the me say, stuff. and again, I'm going to now stun you by saying this. I don't want to see him behind yeah. bars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've said that before and I'm going to say it again. Not that. because he doesn't deserve it. Not because I wouldn't want to one day be able to sit across the table from him and ask him, how was your experience? Was it as bad as mine? How was the, how was the you, food? What about the toilets? Right. Right. Did you, did you suffer the way that I did? Did you think at all about what you did when you had me unconstitutionally remanded? Well, the answer is I'll never have that opportunity. Right. But I'm thinking more about the United States of America and the, the danger that Donald Trump poses. This is a man who, even though it was two, three years ago, for four years, he received national security briefings. And while he's an idiot, and I say it disrespectfully, he's a fucking idiot, there's still enough that's in that head of his.
that could pose great danger to this country, to our national security. Lord knows, we don't even know who he showed half the information to. That's we right. don't know who has copies of those documents. You know, I saw a photo of one of the rooms, and they circled something, and they said that that's a photocopier. Well, why would a photocopier be inside a storage room? First of all, I'm not so sure that it is. I tried to blow it up, but by blowing it up, I overpixelated the picture, and you can't really see what it is to me. It's, I could not tell you emphatically that that's a copier, but that's what's being reported. If, in fact, that's true, that's fucked up. That's really dangerous if it's a scanner, a copier. You know, this is really bad stuff. You know, it brings me to a really random question that I want to throw by you. Because I've asked this question to a few people only because a very good friend of mine asked me, and I really don't know the answer to it. If Trump does indeed have to go to prison... Does he lose his Secret Service detail, or do they have to go to prison with him and protect him right on the inside? Yeah, this one of all these imponderables, because we've never faced it before. <laughs> I'll give you my sense of what would happen is that at that point, there is a, he's got a constitutional right for protection, but at that point it would be taken over by the Bureau of Prisons. They, the Secret Service wouldn't live with him. They'd be part of the... Uh, planning and on the on the job for how he gets the protection to which he's entitled but I, I just can't see them um, you know taking over because there's special security considerations and the like for the Bureau of Prisons but all of this is you know it's it's unprecedented let me say one thing though you which, have to admit that's oh, funny though uh, it may, it's it, a funny you know, thought funny, right it's mordant, uh, you know, many, many points of black humor here. But, but I, um, I do think this, this is the important thing. Again, if he wins, you pointed out, well, you know, there's Georgia. You can't pardon yourself from Georgia. You can't pardon yourself from Manhattan. But even though they never ruled it, I think the, uh, the Supreme Court would find that, that the Constitution requires that his sentence be put on ice while he serves. In other words, while theoretically you think about scenarios where he's not just incarcerated, but the President of the United States incarcerated, and I think the, um, you know, you can't, you can't like invite the, uh, you know, North Park, North Korea President, I say North Park, to come and, um, and meet in uh, Leavenworth. So they, we don't know it yet, but I think the court would discern a principle that would basically, you know, make him be able to serve his whole term. As I say, he's 77 today. Even if he gets sentenced to jail, maybe he doesn't get sentenced to jail. All dependent, of course, on what this is in your and my expertise, but has to be considered a long shot that he win the presidency. But but um, of the many different like law school hypotheticals here. The one that I'm confident of, even though there's no law on it yet, is that the president uh, wouldn't wouldn't have to serve his sentence during his or her presidency. Could you imagine he would have Kim Jong-un come visit him over, for example, at Otisville? Uh, Kim, would you like a Hot Pocket? How about a Klondike and a, maybe a Diet Coke, a DC, you know? Hey, would you like a DC, a Klondike, and a Stromboli, a yeah. Hot Pocket? Could yeah. you imagine that would be... Could you imagine the Easter egg hunt on the lawn over there in Otisville, right, right next to the bocce court? That would be that would be something, right? So, Harry, let me ask you this then: How do you answer the Trump apologist that never that cannot acknowledge 
that Donald Trump ever did anything wrong. And in this specific case, that he did nothing more than being careless. I mean, their feeling is, what is the big deal here about what Trump did? And more importantly, and this fucking infuriates me, and you know I get hot under the collar kind of quick on this shit, where they say, how is this any different than Biden keeping documents in his garage or Hillary Clinton with the email or Barack Obama or Bill Clinton or any other president, as Donald once said, going back to George Washington? It's so hard to think that this is intellectually honest on their part. They had written the press releases and the talking points before they even saw the evidence. But, you know, night and day under states it they very purposeful you know they, think about this indictment how long they've been working on it every line all the theories were just very very carefully thought through so the the whole focus here is in the month or two between getting the subpoena and completely lying uh, about it so besides that in every particular there's there's signs of intent the number one thing that is a hundred percent present for Trump and zero percent present for um, Biden or Pence, for that matter, or any any you know um, sensible person, is that when the lawful demand of a subpoena arrives to someone to do the documents, anyone else would turn around and completely play an open hand. And he, you know, my favorite paragraph in the indictment, fifty-four, was like. I don't want anybody taking my boxes, my dog, he treats them as his, and um, he totally tried to hoodwink, lie to the uh, United States, and it had grave national security uh, implications, as people like Bill Barr, who also pointed out the strength of the evidence, would say. So in, in, in some sense, it, when people say things like that, you want, you know, in the real world to just like not waste your time on things that so obviously are laughable and shouldn't be taken seriously. Of course, these are taken seriously just because they may have political impact in and of itself and making, you know, uh, big uh, chunks of the American people believe it. But, you know, it's silly. It, you know, it's like uh, saying, saying, oh, uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to come up with with. There are many, many outlandish metaphors, but it's a friggin' joke for them to say it. They can't believe it themselves, and it it has the the things that he's really been charged with, besides the taking away, which Trump seems to have done purposely, and they did accidentally through AIDS. He and Trump was personally involved. If you look carefully at the indictment, as Smith um, urged, and none of them has done. The whole, the whole thing is what he does when it's time to, to return them. And this is after a year and a half of, of screwing around with the executive branch. And then it's just a breathtaking and crystalline um, uh, obstruction and complete disregard for the, the national security. There's zero of that for Biden or Pence. So people going to talk. On the other hand, some others are, even on the Republican side, are acknowledging the gravity of the charges. And you have to hope that little by little by little people recognize it, understanding it will never be completely okay. And that, you know, social media today had all this, had violent stuff. 
those, those people are also going to talk, but little by little by little. It's a particularly hard defense to make of Trump. That doesn't stop the Jim Jordans of the world from trying. But you have to hope that a big chunk of the middle, including people who cast their ballot for Trump uh, in 2016 or even 2020, can see through it because it's transparently um, in the asinine argument. I mean, other than the Trump trash that continue to speak and spew and regurgitate the lies, the bullshit, there is no factual equivalence between what Donald Trump did and what Hillary Clinton did or Joe Biden. And so there is no factual equivalence. This is the fact. the yeah. part that the part that just makes you want to jump through the screen and scream or choke them is they just continue to regurgitate the same stupidity again and again and again and here's the funny thing none of this should have ever happened that's the craziest thing this isn't like you know some other types of crimes like the hush money payment well maybe he should have kept it in his pants there too or you know some other type of crime that you know that he you know that he's being looked at charged with etc all he needed to do here is return documents. And it wasn't like, as you just said, they asked him on Monday and said, hey, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we want him back. That bullshit lasted for 18 months. People don't realize this. 18 and, months and prior so, to that raid, right. they went ahead and they told him, send us back these documents we believe that you have. Sends back a small number, they then sent, nope, I don't have any more. Yeah, you do. He gets Christina Bob, you know, through Evan Corcoran to sign an affidavit. There's no more. They checked for it. That's all while this nonsense is going on with the reporting. The feds come. They seize. There's more. There's spewing all over. There is no factual equivalence. When he looks in the mirror tonight and tomorrow and every night and has to deal with this nonsense, as long as he looks at himself and he says, yeah, I did this to myself. Sadly, he won't, but that's the truth. Um, that's right. And look, the 18 months, even like the biggest mafia, right? He, he, you know, I don't think any of us would, would try to, you know, bob and weave for those 18 months, but it's a federal subpoena, stupid. Anybody, once it shows up as a lawyer, okay, now the gig's up. Now you must comply. And if you sign a piece of paper that says you did comply and you're lying, be ready to go to jail. Um, you know, and, and again, that's where uh, Smith has very cleverly focused. He's got, that's really where the story takes place. And then the whole indictment just ends. We had to go serve a search warrant. End of, end of whole story. So he's zeroed in on the part that is indefensible and and is trump alone oh who else but trump would would get us to do we really what if we just said there weren't any that is what if you pluck some out go over take them there look through them pluck out the stuff that you think is bad get rid of them blah 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 now look that's what he manages to do he gets lawyers like myself to make real fucking dumb mistakes real dumb mistakes all in the name of trying to protect him, whether it's protect him from the law, which it's not, or to protect him from himself. You somewhat let your own moral compass go. Today on MSNBC, 
a former Trump lawyer argued that their number one pretrial claim is going to be prosecutorial misconduct. I mean, how do you think that they'll bring that to bear? And what do you think will be the likely outcome? All right, so let's start with a regular judge. <laughs> Any judge who's not Eileen Cannon, because, you know, she could always But uh, this one's really clear, Michael. The law is so clear. Um, that, you know, he said on MSNBC he personally witnessed it. And um, Andrew Weissman quickly said, excuse me, you're not even allowed to be in the grand jury room. It turned out he was a witness in sorts anyway. If every word he said were true, and I, I having been there, you know, there or a similar position, don't believe it. But if every word he said were true, it doesn't entitle Trump to dismiss the an indictment. Supreme Court is so clear about this. You could sue the United States for damages, maybe, if they violated your rights. But unless you could show... Not anymore. Not uh, anymore. Okay, well, Not anymore. The Dobbs okay. decision overturned Bivens. That's, yeah. the, my, that's my appeals case that's going on right now. Good point. But I'm saying there, there, there would be... But the remedy doesn't lie. It's 100% clear in a dismissal of criminal charges. Not to mention that these are all wet so you're right they're going that way if they if he does have halfway competent lawyers they'll know it's a stone cold loser and it's just for pr appeal and delay but um look if if, if what they said were true that you know while questioning uh nalta the uh Pratt said something about now his lawyer being up for a judgeship as if he was, you know, implying they were going to, it, that, I mean, it's all ridiculous if you know how things work. But in any event, it would not matter unless they are prosecuting him as in, in retribution or reprisal for the exercise of his constitutional rights. That's one narrow avenue you can do pretrial. Otherwise, you know, you're, they're barking up the wrong tree. It's got nothing to do with any valid claim for um, actually um, ditching the criminal charges, which is what they're trying to do. Hard to see even Eileen Cannon messing that one up. Yeah, I doubt she will either. But, you know, speaking since we're going to talk about lawyers, I mean, as of the night before the indictment, Trump didn't even know. Nobody knew who his defense team was going to be. Now, appearing and sitting at the table with him was Todd Blanche and Chris Kyes. And there was a whole slew of shit that was going on earlier, I think, with Chris Kyes, where he's battling with Boris Epstein, a guy who has never practiced law. Yeah, he went to law school, you know, like so many others. He, I believe, passed the bar. But all of a sudden, he's become some legal beagle that Donald is actually relying on. He has no fucking judgment whatsoever. He is the worst judgment of law. Instead, instead of coming up with somebody who has some, and I don't even know how you find somebody like this, I myself thought, how would, if I was still in the mix here, how would I find somebody who has any knowledge as a lawyer regarding claims of espionage? I mean, when was the last time you ever referred a case to a fellow lawyer that dealt with the Espionage Act? I mean, this is so unusual. Yeah, what you want in the coin of the round for a lawyer is someone with 
judgment. And that's Epstein's problem. He, you know, Trump, it's, it's kind of like what happened in, in the lead up to January 6th. Trump stopped listening to anyone who had judgment and only kept listening to, you know, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani. So Epstein has this role, I think, because he's encouraging Trump in doing this all um, politically. But you know he's he's the he's the the worst um, client in the in the world and and besides everything else he doesn't pay. Okay. So, so then the real so the real question, Harry, that I want to get to, is so let's say Todd Blanche and Chris Kies, yeah. like every other lawyer so far before, ends up in some sort of words with Boris Epstein. They end up walking away. What ends up happening here? You think that you know there'll come a point where Trump has to use a public defender because nobody else will take the case? Yeah. That and would be something. That, uh, the ad is no. And, and, and again, we now have a wild card that hurts all these scenarios. Eileen Cannon. He'll find somebody. If it's got to be Jenna Ellis, he'll find somebody. And the first thing he'll do is go to the court and say, we just had to replace. I need six months or whatever, to absorb this super complicated case, etc. So he'll never be without anyone with a law degree, but certainly among the lawyers he's had representative are, are some who shouldn't have uh, law degrees and are really not um, competent. Yeah, we know people, you know, he got turned down the last couple of days. A lot of people just don't want to, to represent him, and even if they did, their law firms don't. So, but it, he'll always have some lawyer. And I got to say, from the little I know, that Blanche, competent guy, uh, mm -hmm. that Susan, what's her name up in D.C., competent. Ties is, you know, he's an, he's an appellate type. So if, if Eichstein stays out of their way, he might actually get, you know, solid uh, representation from them with, with, with adequate judgment. But, you know, if Epstein calls the shots, that won't be the case. And as I always say, Harry, the facts are the facts, and they come out. I don't care who your lawyer is. Yeah. But earlier today, Harry, you tweeted that a former Trump lawyer was saying on MSNBC that they will relitigate the crime fraud exception issue in regards to the Corcoran notes. Now, do me a favor, do my listeners a favor, and unpack for them what those notes were and why they are significant and how it could actually impact the prosecution's case against Donald. Sure, and, it, and the answer is hugely. I've already called them potentially the most important witness, even though, of course, they are notes. Yep. So everyone knows that um, Borkerin is hearing Trump say some mind-blowing things. Again, paragraph 54 in the indictment, go check it out, where he's basically, you know, saying, I want to violate the, the law. And Corcoran, if this actually matters for admissibility potentially, he's not just this careful lawyer who's taking them as they're happening. He has an oh shit moment, and later, I think while taking a drive, he dictates, you know, 50 pages of stuff. That might actually matter for the, um, for otherwise under the hearsay clause. But let's leave that to the side because you're asking about crime fraud. The, there's a subpoena saying we want that in the grand jury, and a judge says, okay, I'm going to look at that. It's attorney-client stuff, however, you can't uh, use the attorney-client privilege to shield a crime, and you know what? They're, look, what are they doing here? They're, try, they're doing obstruction. That's a crime. I'm going to, to pierce it. I find there is, this kind of matters, a prima facie case. That is, you know, there's reason to believe. 
as I as I see the law, I you know I I like to research a little more, but I think that um, Cannon can just say, okay, well that's what Beryl Hal thought then for purposes of whether the grand jury could see it, but I get to look at it again, and you know what? I think it is attorney-client privilege. I think it's not crime fraud exception for whatever reason she would do. And, and in other words, she gets us and Trump gets a second bite at the apple with a much better uh, eater being uh, Cannon. And I think it's, uh, you know, under Rule 104A, she gets to say, is the crime fraud exception apply here? And even though another judge said it did, she gets to say it doesn't. And what happens then? The whole thing goes out because it's attorney-client privilege. Uh, now, he maybe can be forced, well, even then it's not clear, can he be forced to do, give statements of Trump, but that would be a way to blow a hole, I mean a hole, a body blow, in the in the DOJ's case just to simply, that would remove it from uh, evidence. So there you have it. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. How concerned are you about the rhetoric? that's coming from Trump camp. I mean, people like Kimberly Gargoyle, right, who's out there tweeting, the second this shit, this big mouth, this idiot and a half, right, goes ahead and she's tweeting out in order to get a reaction, and I quote, retribution is coming. All I caps, mean, all she caps. must understand, all cap, right. She must understand that this will lead to some form of violence, whether it's significant or not. I mean, do you believe that part of Trump's plan, or maybe the idiots, acolytes that are around him, believe that they can apply pressure by threatening use of the MAGA mob? And let me throw one additional part into this for you to answer. What do you think that Jack Smith has in store for himself as it relates to the, you know, to the MAGA hate squad? Okay, so first, um, I think the answer is yes, the main person who could really try to rein him in is, again, Eileen Cannon. She could say, yeah, run your campaign, but you cannot do things that will pollute the jury uh, pool or will endanger court personnel. But if she doesn't, you know, I think we're looking at, at a year of this. I also tweeted today because he's called you know, Biden the most corrupt president ever, and Smith some whatever, uh, that, you know, he's, he's, he's hitting his ceiling early. He's got to pace himself. But I think it'll be very, 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 very nasty. I think there will be over it. We had, uh, you know, social media groups uh, already talking about violence. And um, he's, he's running for president, has the First Amendment right to do so, and he'll always say, oh, it's the other, it's these guys, I'm not revving them up. So it's up to a judge to um, be able to do it. So I think we, as ugly as the last several years have been, I think the next year, without a solid and, and competent judge to rein him in, will be, um, you know, could be uh, even worse. And... Um, Oops, I'm sorry, Michael, I prattled on too long. What was the second part of the question? The second part about Jack Smith. Oh, yeah, so Smith. I think Smith is probably is pretty cold-blooded, doesn't think anything is really going to happen to him. He already has a detail of protection, and he'll live with that. I don't think, you know, this is way, way pales in comparison, but I had some pretty high-profile trials and the... And the, um, the um, Marshals wanted to protect me, and I didn't think it was. I, so I don't. I don't think he's nervous, but he does have a detail. Yeah, it's it's important because no matter who you've ever defended, represented, 
indicted, whatever. It's not the same here. I agree, I agree. I shouldn't it, it, have broad my pale analogy. I can only tell you. He's going to go about his business with his detail and not. If you have, this is sort of the lesson in terrorism in general, isn't it? Or January 6th versus now. These people, they're so nasty, they're killers, but they're not necessarily, you know, geniuses. If you have real um, protection and you and you're, have focused and anticipated on it, I think this would be Smith's mindset and it, it would be mine too. You know, they're not going to be able to uh, get at him and talk about an immediate, you know, sort of death penalty case. So um, I, my best guess, it's just a guess, I never met Smith, mm -hmm. is that he's not losing sleep over it. I hope not, because I can tell you... He was in the courtroom today, by the way. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I can tell you that maggots are very um, temperamental, yeah. especially when it comes to their furor. And anybody that does anything that they deem nasty or injurious to him, they're willing to, they're willing to fight. Look what they did at the Capitol, right? I mean, let's never forget that. Which, look, brings me to my last question because the hour goes by very, very quickly. So Jack Smith is still investigating Trump's role in attempting to overturn the 2020 election, January 6th insurrection and so on, uh, the resulting attack on the Capitol. People got hurt, people died. With the documents indictment, will that investigation slow down? And then the same question with the Fannie Willis case in Fulton County, Georgia. I mean, what's the strategy there with all of these? If I mean, if you're D.A. Willis and Jack Smith, what's, what's happening here? And is it going to slow it down? Because it shouldn't. Okay, I think I have a pretty good sense of this, although, of course, it's tea leaves. First on Smith and January 6th. If anything, it's going to speed it up. Just today in the grand jury uh, in D.C., which is where that case would be, two phony electors came in to testify. You could have thought, looking at it months back, that they'd focus on this, which is clean, and, the, and January 6th, though more serious, is kind of, you know, more political, harder. All indications are he's going really strong at it. And Meadows, for God's sake, who's all over it, has testified, maybe as a cooperator. So, no, I think, if anything, it's speeding up. Fonnie Willis, the indications are she's maybe going big and sprawling, not just a lot of defendants, but Rico, too. But um, the question is, will she and Bragg and the New York AG uh, kind of take a back seat to sequence it so the DOJ goes first. That we don't know, but I think her case is basically done, and she's uh, good as promised. She's going to bring it in August. Question is, then what happens after she brings it? Does it get mothballed for a time? But I think the January 6th case, and this is news, Michael. I, I, that wouldn't have been clear a month or two ago. He's got. He's really pushing on, and charges will um, ensue. I think out of that case, including against Donald Trump. Harry Littman, nobody says it the way you do. Thank you, my friend. Uh, my pleasure. Always great seeing you. And I will, no doubt, I will be having you back again. There's a lot to unpack here. And that ain't gonna change. All right, Michael. Always a pleasure to talk to you.
So he didn't have to have the uh, the mugshot, and the, he got fingerprinted, but electronically he didn't have to soil his fingers. It all was very brief. There's some important points that we thought we might learn, like when when what's the schedule, what's happening next, that we didn't because this was just the duty magistrate, not even Cannon's magistrate. So there's going to be some important points later that would have been noteworthy had they happened today, as it was with both him and Nada. It was quite routine. You know, but there were some interesting things that I found. For example, um, they didn't take his passport. I know at mine, they did. Uh, he is unrestricted in terms of leaving the country, which, again, I find somewhat interesting. They also claim that he's permitted to have firearms. Now, that could possibly be only because it's Florida. Right, and they've now all gone gun crazy over there anyway. But I thought that was unusual because generally, right, uh, you want to take away the firearms of somebody who's going through this. I don't care whether you're Michael Cohen, Donald Trump, or John or Jane Doe. You go to some pretty low places. So the fact that they would allow him to maintain firearms I thought was interesting. There's also the whole part about him not being permitted to speak with outside of counsel any of the potential witnesses. But here's the interesting thing. They didn't go ahead and say who the witnesses are. I thought that was unusual. And here's why. Here's what I think was happening. This guy is the duty magistrate. He's not even Cannon's normal magistrate. So I think all of this was just sort of routine. It's a really good point you make that I hadn't known about the about the guns. Um, but he was just doing the least possible. It can all be revisited. I think there will be a formal determination of his conditions of release. Um, and, you know, even that they that they didn't take uh, things from him and the like where they did from you represents a judgment provisional by this first guy. He doesn't want to upset the apple cart that guy's got Secret Service protection running for president. He's, you know, he's not going to be able to easily run. He will show up for uh, court. But the, the, it, it wasn't final. He wanted, he wanted to just get through it. And the next thing we're going to have, and it'll be much more illuminating, is uh, I think Cannon either will say 
here's a scheduling order, or I think more likely she'll have a scheduling conference. The lawyers will show up, and then there'd be time for that. One quick point on the witnesses. You're right. That was noteworthy, and I very much expect that was run by Cannon. And, you know, Trump has a real history. Well, you know it personally. Um, Meadows reaches out to you and says, you have a friend in high places, or whatever it was, blatant and tampering. Um, so that was probably um, special for him and arranged in advance. The one point is, I think um, preliminarily it includes NALTA. I don't know if that's going to hold up, Michael. They're, they're co-conspirators. They have a right to prepare a defense together, and I don't think they're going to be able to keep him from from uh, ta e talking even about the case. Other than that, it's all all um, routine stuff except this witness stuff, and I think that you know Cannon is well aware of. So this is a guy who just wanted to get past that day and not screw things up and and uh, prejudice the the case. Cannon to come in and take over, God forbid, but it looks like it's happening. Well, then he's very smart to keep his mouth shut because every time Donald opens his mouth, it, it creates a shitstorm on top of a shitstorm. But the CNN. Well, as, we, as we tape, though, in a couple hours, he'll be opening his mouth big time, right? And he's going to hold a little rally at Bed at Bedminster in an hour or two. So, you know, we'll it's actually, now. believe it or not, it's more than a rally, it's a fundraiser. I mean, really? talk about the absolute unmitigated gall. I mean, you know, here's how CNN politics online that they put it. His appearance was earth-shaking, an even tragic moment in the history of a republic that has endured for, for more than two centuries after being founded on the principle that no leader has absolute power or should be above laws that apply to other citizens. I mean... The, the absolute unmitigated goal that now he's going to have a fundraiser off a federal indictment, 37 counts, and they're serious, 37 counts, where if you want to have dinner with Donald tonight, it will cost you $100,000 per head. The invitation throw in. Out. I hear. I hear. Michael. He may throw in though a, a free classified document for everyone. Um, uh, yeah. Look. Yeah. As you by say, the way. Uh, by the way. Then I would be in on that one because right. trust me, if if it's anything like what Kushner pulled down, right? right. You could pull a lot more than a hundred grand. <laughs> so you know, it's funny we're living through them. So in a way, we don't appreciate. This what? It has to be the most important criminal prosecution in the history of the United States. It has to be the biggest, strongest, most important political test of whether our leaders are men or kings. And we're living through it. So it all, some, it's big for us, seismic even. But sometimes I think even folks like you and I don't fully appreciate just how big the, the events we're living through. It's, you know, it's really true. This is so fundamental and could so shape our republic going forward. Man, it is immense. I mean, he now holds a very unique place in our history. Not only is he the first former president to be indicted for state charges, he is now the first former president to be indicted for federal charges. In fact, couple the two together, he is the first former president of the United States, to be indicted on both state and federal charges. And yet, nothing stops the grift, right? I mean, he's out there. 
I will tell you that CNN further went on and said something which I find absolutely accurate. I find it disheartening. They write that today is a grave day that will rip an even deeper divide in an already estranged country, especially given that Trump supporters have already once resorted to violence right, in their bid to overturn the will of the people after the um, ex-president, after Trump refused to accept his loss. Now, I will say that I called it. I said it the other day on television, and I said it last week also when the announcement first came out that I don't think there's going to be the violence that Donald legitimately wanted. I mean, he enjoys that sort of, um, you know, melee, the fracas. I mean, he, he enjoys that, especially if it's being done in his honor. But we didn't see that at all. I mean, oh, my God, all of a sudden you see on television one guy gets wrestled down to the ground by one police officer. They cuff him. They take him away. We have that shit happening in the city every, on every other street corner, right? This was, what, 1,000 people 